0: And now, the Husker Athletic Director Show with Bill Moose, presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Woodhouse Auto Family, shop Woodhouse first. 18 brands, 18 locations, one team to help you get on the road faster. Woodhouse Auto Family, the official auto dealer of Nebraska athletics. And now, here's your host, Greg Sharp.
1: Thank you so much. 866 Husker one 866 487 5371 As we fly out of the gates tonight with the athletic director for the University of Nebraska, Bill Moose. Happy Halloween. Like a week away from Halloween. we well, one week away. Oh, my god. Trick or
2: treat. Here we go. Hey, these years are just going so fast. <laughs> yeah, it'll be Thanksgiving before yep. we know it. And we will into Christmas. And then we're in 2020, for crying out loud.
1: My about. goodness. How about that? 2020. It seems yeah. like we... I'm dating myself a little bit. It seems like we just turned the century over. I know. Now we're 20 years past yeah, that. About that? Whoa, man. <laughs> well, there's a lot that's happened since we had you in here in late September. Let's kind of work backwards. Um, let's go all the way back to late September with the announcement before the Ohio State game of a fabulous new football facility. And I know you're excited about this. You've had your team working on this for months. Um, this is this is going to be spectacular.
2: Well, it is, and and, uh, very much needed. Uh, What we have right now is more than sufficient, but we're growing that roster, Greg. It's going to be up around 160, maybe even a little north of that. We're going to need more space, um, something that's a little bit more uh, user-friendly than than what we currently have. And uh, it's... uh, 350,000 square feet so it'll house all of our academic center for all of our student-athletes our training table for all 650 plus uh, student-athletes so everybody's going to get to benefit from it Uh, and then on top of that it's just going to be a spectacular home for Nebraska football which is so important in the recruiting process and in developing our players
1: why make it for all student-athletes? Was that a thought that you said? Because a lot of times people will build a football facility and it's used by the football team only and everybody else goes to where they're currently going or not. Your thoughts about having all the student-athletes gather in certain spots together. Do you like that crossover?
2: I I do and we're a family. You know you you see us all the time and I like to uh, see our, our young people eating together and socializing together. And then you know, they all feel some ownership in it. This is going to be a much-talked-about facility. And uh, when you have soccer athletes in there and track and field and softball, they're all feeling a part of it, and, and it and it just uh, continues to bolster that family feeling that's so, so much a big part of Nebraska. How much
1: – and I know you get down to the training table a lot. How much fun is that for you to see – you mentioned soccer, your soccer athletes or your track and field or the wrestlers, Mark Manning's guys coming in there. You probably get a kick out of that.
2: I do. And and uh, to see him walking in that direction, sitting with them occasionally, uh, get to see you know, my staff is so big, like mm-hmm. 350 plus full time uh, employees. I get to see some of them and talk and thank them for their good work. And, uh, Dave Ellis puts together a pretty nice spread down there too. It's, uh, it's as good as it gets. And, uh, I, got to kind of wean myself away from that a little bit. I know when I first got here two years ago, I put on 10 pounds (laughs) in about 10 days. And so I, got to watch myself a little bit. Lots of salads.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's good for you. What, what response have you had? It's been three or four weeks since that announcement. What have you heard back from you, the friends of the program and the boosters?
2: Um, it's all been positive. it's It's been very positive. and uh, uh, I, I really feel that our fan base realizes it's something that is necessary, that we're raising money for it. Uh, that is going tremendously well. We're almost halfway there in the in the amount that we want to raise uh, in, from from our our fans. Um, so, it's all been positive as you know greg and all the great things you do as part of the program these people are starved to get back to where we once were and it Mm -hmm. can happen but all of these building blocks have got to be in place and and they uh they are this is another one this is a real big one you put that in with our nutrition, our strength and conditioning, all of our performance areas, um, our recruiting network, our, our uh, uh, what really is going to be helpful is our Husker Air Fleet to get our coaches all around mm-hmm. the country to compete with the top powers uh, for the very best players. All of those things all come together. It doesn't happen overnight as, as we know. Yep. and It's going to take three years, maybe four, to really be in that position to where we can realistically feel that we can can play with anybody in the country but we're heading in that direction this is a big part.
1: Hank Bounds, I want to ask you about him. Former, now former Nebraska president, is going to stay on and kind of work in a a consulting-type role for this. Why was that important to to continue on down the road with this? Well,
2: Hank has relationships from his time as president. Um, He's a big sports fan. Yeah. Um, And uh, I've always felt that people give to people. You've got a cause, but the relationships uh, that have been cultivated through the years by – by Hank are important with some of these big gifts. And uh, so I think uh, he'll be very valuable in that regard. Now, you're going to put it in the current area
1: where the track is.
2: Talk about the future of that and what that does for that program, track and field. Well, it's the ideal location because we can butt this facility up and, and uh, have have uh, undercover access into the Hawks Championship Center, our indoor facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, it'll also be butted up against the stadium. So on the north stadium, we'll be able to add three, four, maybe even as many as five or six suites there and provide uh, vertical transportation and ease for our our fans to get up to those higher seats on that north end zone with something that's really been needed we we're, we're improving the uh, concessions and the restrooms this all has to be done on the south side too hopefully sooner than later but this is a big step so here again our fans are going to benefit from this project, all the student-athletes, uh-huh. the fans. Uh, it'll be a beautiful, beautiful building. The The uh, renderings that we have in place right now are very complementary to the rest of the architecture on campus. It doesn't stick out in a gaudy fashion. It really blends in nicely. So much more to do. We've got to select... Uh, an architect. We got to select a contractor. All these things are uh, in the process right now, as uh, as we speak.
1: And the track will go to you'll build something out in your innovation campus. Yes, I would assume that,
2: that's the plan. Yeah. Uh, we have access to land out there. Uh, really, I think will work out very well because that's where our track offices, locker rooms, yeah. offices, our indoor track facility. So um, really, will make for a really really nice track and field facilities package. Very good. Bill Moose is with us. 866-HUSKER-1,
1: 866-487-5371. The number if you want to dial us up with a comment or question. We haven't had a bye week around here in like two years. So last week, Husker football had a week off from the schedule, seven games in, take a bye week. Probably came at a pretty good time. I think that the team, you, you start practicing the first or second of August, you get to late October. It's probably time to step away for a few days, don't you think?
2: Yeah, in the in the game, the way it's played now, how big these guys are and fast, and the twelve-game schedule is really tough. We've got two buys this year, so that's going to be helpful. We got one in a couple of weeks too. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, this did come at the right time. The only thing that. Uh, you hate to see is coming off a loss and, and uh, a bad loss. And you've got to live with that uh, in your mind. So not, not, not that uh, we don't need the rest, but we need to get back healthy mentally and emotionally as much as physically.
1: Okay. This team four and three. And as we've pointed out a lot in the last couple of days, a year ago, this team was one and six. That's right. So one and six
2: to four and threes pretty nice
1: improvement from one year to the next
2: it is a nice improvement and we are better we're not as good as we're going to be and that again as i mentioned earlier in our conversation is going to have to do with a lot of things and recruiting a big part of it and developing our walk-on program and, and 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 really getting the bodies in here that you need to to win at this level so uh, yeah, we're making progress. Uh, I've said this on on the program before, and I've said it publicly, uh, and really got kind of some weird looks early on preseason when we got to get to six wins, yeah. and um, that gets us into the postseason. Gets uh, a whole another couple weeks of practice where you can again work on fundamentals, develop the young players, heal some guys up, but. Uh, It's basically a whole nother spring football practice when you can get those extra uh, days on the practice field. So we really got to hope that we can get into that position and then start the ball rolling from there and and continue to increase those wins year by year. Yeah.
1: Bill Moose with us. It is our Nebraska Athletic Directors Show for the month of
0: October. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network.
1: Cephas Johnson gets the snap, rolls right with it, looks like he's going to try to take off, and he's hit, stopped, he'll lose a half yard, and the Huskers are going to get a three and out. Number seven, Muhammad Barry makes the hit and tackle.
0: A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program.
1: Now they move Baker, in motion, they turn, looking to throw it, being rushed, avoids one Husker, and then gets hit, Barry back at the 33-yard line. Knocked down by Will Honus.
0: Tonight, inside linebackers coach, Barrett Rude. Three-man
1: Oscar front, snap back, zone read. Keeping himself, Montez. Colin Miller's got him and brings him down for a loss back at the 21. It's a four-yard loss. That's a TFL for Colin Miller.
0: Brought to you by Channel Seeds. Find your Channel Seedsman at Channel.com. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at BuyFordNow.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Thank you and welcome to our Nebraska football show
1: for the week. Delighted to have Barrett Rude in studio with us for the next hour. Here are the numbers if you want to be a part of the program. 866 Husker one 866-487-5371. Nebraska coming off a rare bye week. Last week, because of the rain out opening night against Akron, you didn't have a bye week. Do you know what to do
3: with yourself last week? Or what What did you do last week? Well, you know, uh, you may know this too. Our staff has never had a bye week because we had C- two hurricanes, hurricanes. Yeah, two hurricanes down in Florida. And then uh, yeah, last year we had the rain out. Um, so, it, you know what, it was great. Uh, you know, Coach Frost is always really good about family time too. So we had a day or two uh, right after the game to, you know, spend with the family, which, you know, you, during the season you're – a little bit of an absentee, you know, you're gone a lot, and uh, it was good to be home with my boys for a little, you know, couple of days, hung out with family. Um, and then, uh, then we got back to work practice for a couple of days, and then I had to go out and uh, recruit a little bit as well. So, uh, even though it was a bye week, it was still busy, um, but I think it was good for everybody involved to just kind of, you know, get away from that, you know, week, the, the game week essentially, where you have the week of, you know, pressure kind of being built up and, um, you know, game planning and and the you know the work that goes involved with that. So it was good for everybody to kind of recharge.
1: And then for your players, it was fall break week. So even this Monday and Tuesday, they didn't have class to worry about. That that even kind of loosened the load a little bit
3: more for them. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it just it really it kind of lets you just fully recharge because you know the life of a student athlete, it's pretty nonstop anymore. You know, you got your football and then classes. I mean, those guys are those guys are doing something with a, either football academics all day long. So to have a, a, a little bit of a break in there is, is really good for them.
1: Okay, Coach Frost last week said that as he went back and watched it, the Minnesota film, he, he I think his initial thought was, and maybe you you were the same way, that the Nebraska got pushed around a little bit. He said after he watched it, he goes, no, nah, that really wasn't the case. It was more on us,
3: missing gaps, missing assignments, that type of thing. How did you review the game? Yeah, you know, I think uh, it's a combination of everything, you know. Um, um, you know minnesota really the plays that are hurting us more than anything on were uh stretch plays which is kind of a lateral running game which uh becomes a technique game you know uh when you play defensive football you know there's 11 players out there so there's 11 gaps and everybody's got a job to do and if one guy gets out of a gap versus a good team you know they're going to find it and mm-hmm. exploit it and that's kind of what happened and sometimes it was mentally uh not being in the right place sometimes it was wrong the wrong technique that made him slow to get there but it was a combination of a lot of things and you know for whatever reason um our guys didn't probably play as fast as they normally do and um you know just wasn't a very good performance by us overall
1: how much do you even go back through that is it normal every week the same or some weeks you don't go as over as much tape as you do some weeks
3: so i'm a huge believer in uh going over uh, you got to fix yourself first on defense and that started you know the, the guys who I learned from the most coming up, that's how they did it, and and I, I'm firmly a believer in that, that you always got to start with yourself. Fix yourself first on defense. You know, offense is a little bit different where you're constantly, you know, game plan and plays, where defense is it's more about what you're doing and, and technique and fundamentals, and usually it's a result of... Uh, some type of poor technique or fundamental that gets you in trouble in a game. It's usually not completely scheme related. Every now and then, uh, a, a, a team's going to call a good call against you, and you know you get a hard job to do or, or whatnot. But usually, mistakes and, and big plays are a result of poor technique.
1: Let's dive into your room. You've really rotated three players: Muhammad Barry, uh, Will Honus, and, and Colin Miller. How about their
3: play? Have you seen improvement from those guys week to week? Yeah, you know, they've done a pretty good job throughout the year. I think, uh, you know, Minnesota was not a good game for us overall. Um, you know, in all, really, our record, it's pretty indicative of, of how we've uh, played as linebackers. I would say Colorado, I thought we played a pretty good game overall. That was probably the one game as a linebacker unit that we lost that we actually performed pretty well. But I would say both Ohio State and Minnesota were down weeks for us. Um, but I would say for the most part uh, in the victories we've had, we've played pretty well so um, I think it's a little bit of an onus on us to make sure that we're prepared and ready to go because I think um, you know if we play well, we got a, a better chance to win a game.
1: You've tried to divvy up the snaps with those three guys how tell me how you go about doing that as the game is going on
3: yeah, you, you know what it, it's funny they came out of training camp very, very equal now each of them has something they do a little bit better than the other, but I think with, with Big Ten play um, and just where we're at roster-wise, um, the best thing for me to do this year was to have a three-man rotation and keep those guys as fresh as possible um, throughout the season. I know last year uh, Will ended up getting hurt, um, so and and Colin had just changed positions last mm-hmm. year from outside inside linebacker, so he was kind of still learning a little bit. Um, and, and really last year I didn't rotate hardly at all, and I think guys got worn down a little bit. Mo and Dedrick were – basically playing all the snaps and they they were worn down by the end of the year so this way you're keeping guys not only fresh during the game but you're also keeping them fresh throughout a season and um you know this day and age of uh, offensive football where a lot of times you're playing 85 90 snaps in a game you got to have more than than two guys being able to go so the rotation i think has really helped us who tracks that for you uh literally no those i'll let the players basically do really it. i mean go, you know they know they know it's set in stone i mean Colin and Will, I mean, sorry, Colin and Mo start off the game, and then Will goes in uh, the second series, and then it rotates from there. And and in all honesty, you know, every now and then, if there's a maybe a pass rusher, I want to go in, maybe have Colin rush the passer, or you know, if I got a you know, if I want Will and Colin to be in a certain whatever look, I may throw them in there every now and then. But for the most part, I just kind of let those guys rotate and let them play. And you know, like for example, Will, even though he hasn't uh, started this year, he's been on the two-minute drive to go win a game three times. So mm-hmm. he's, he's going to be out there in clutch situations. So um, it, it's been really good for us, though, and it's kept those guys fresh, and I think it's kept them healthy, too.
1: You mentioned Colin, and, and you know, last August, your first year here, I think you guys were debating: is he better out or is he better in? Because of necessity, in a lot of ways, you put him in. How has he adapted to that? And where have you seen him get better?
3: Yeah, very, very well. You know, he's a very intelligent guy and he's a very athletic guy. And I think for him, I think it kind of clicked in fall camp. In all honesty, I think he he was learning throughout the season last year. Um, Spring, he made a jump, but I think fall camp is where it really truly made sense for him and you know the defense made sense the the movements made sense uh, the keys made sense and you know when you play off the ball at inside linebacker you gotta see a lot of things really fast and you know it just sometimes it takes guys a little bit to do that and I think a year in the system really helped him and now he's you know he's really playing well
1: there's a fire to him isn't there he's yeah.
3: got a real passion about it yeah he does he he, he plays hard and he, and he and he loves football I think that's what you're that's what you're looking for in all your players. You want yeah. guys that that want to be there and, and love what they do, and uh, you know that's that's going to be you know a staple of us. Hopefully for a long, long time. It always has been. Is that. Nebraska have been pretty passionate about football, not only uh, fans and uh, the support staff, but, you know, the the players. You know, that's that's been what it's based upon.
1: Your room is always going to have a handful of walk-ons who find their way onto the field. It may not necessarily be on defense. It could be on special teams. But you have two that have had an impact already on this team, Joey Johnson, the young man from Gretna, and then Luke Reimer from right here in Lincoln. Both those guys look like they have a chance to play for this team.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Joe um, – Joe has been really good because he, he's such an intelligent guy, and he's he's really what you look for in a walk on. He was, you know, probably a little bit underdeveloped, played multiple sports, um, but was a good player. Gret and I just really wasn't recruited for for whatever reason by uh, some of the smaller schools, and, and we got him as a walk on, and you know he's just continued to get better and better, and uh, you know his ability to uh, call a defense. And know everybody's job. That that's going to be key for him his whole career because he's always going to be a guy that you know if something comes up, you can count on him to jump in and and get you through a few snaps. And and he's doing a really good job for us. And you know Luke Reimer, I think he's a guy that I think surprised everybody in all honesty because uh, athletically he's uh, he's he's a top end athlete. He really is. You know he he was another multi sport guy at, at North Star. Um, played a bunch of positions on the football team. And when he got here and we kind of settled him in at linebacker man, he's, uh, he's taken off, and I'm, I'm excited to see what his future is going to be.
1: All right, let's talk about the three freshmen, and we have not really seen them yet get out on the field, and that's Jackson, Hannah, Garrett Snodgrass, and, and also uh, um, Nick Henrich from up in Omaha. And, and Nick's been dealing with some injury situations. Mm-hmm. That's what's kind of stunned his growth. What have you seen from those guys? And I know you get a chance to watch them scrimmage on a Friday mm-hmm. session. Tell us about those three.
3: Yeah, Jackson, you know, Jackson, I almost put in a similar situation to – Colin, where he played a lot of outside linebacker in high school and played a lot of running back. And he's kind of transitioned into being a full time inside linebacker. Um, you know, he's got a bunch of tools to work with. He's, he's physical, really is a natural pass rusher as well. Um, he's just got to get used to keying things and understanding the defense and, and playing, you know, playing fast from, from in the box. And once he figures that out, he's going to be a really good player. Um, you know, Garrett Snodgrass is uh, kind of the definition of a coach's son. He's about as coachable a guy as, as I've ever been around. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as a guy where you tell him one thing one time and it's done. And, um, you know, he's going to will himself into being a really good player. I really believe that. And, you know, the the strides he's made from June when he got here to now, it's it, it's pretty impressive, actually. So he's going to have a really, really good career in Nebraska. And he's one of those native sons that I think is going to be, a, you know, kind of a staple for this program for a long time. And then, and then Nick, you know, Nick's been what, what we thought he was coming out of Omaha. You know, it was tough when he got his uh, shoulder nicked up in spring. Um, but, you know, he he attacks everything. And he's a very positive kid. He's fun to be around. He's great in the meeting rooms. He's great on the field. You know, he loves football. And I think, you know, like I said, when when Nebraska is great, everybody around there loves the game and, and they're passionate about it. And, and he's the epitome of that. All three are
1: destined to be redshirted this year. But because of the new rule – I mean, an injury
3: here or there in the next five
1: games and find themselves playing some significant snaps for
3: you. It's yeah, I, be good to motivate them. It's, I think it's all it, – that's one of the great rules that I think has been put into place. I, I want to say it was last year. Yep. It was the first year. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, it's a great rule because, you know, it's it protects the players. It actually helps the team out too. Um, it's a win-win for both sides. Um, and just like you said, you know, now that we're at the latter portion of the season – you know, we're going to find a place for those guys coming up here. You know, we're going to be smart and and obviously not play them any snap in game five, whatever those right. you know four games may be. But, you know, those four games, you know, whether it's, hey, you're going to play uh, kickoff return or you're going to go uh, be on punt team or you're going to play dime defense. We're going to find a role for those guys because, you know, at the end of the year, it's it's kind of all hands on deck. You know, when, when Big Ten schedule, guys get beat up, guys get tired, and, and you're trying to do everything you can to get a win. And. All of our good players, man. If they can do something for us on Saturday, we're going to find a way. It's got to keep those guys motivated. But, yeah. You
1: know, if you knew your red shirt in August in the past, you might shut her down a little bit or not be locked in in some meetings. But these guys, they may, they may play oh, yet yeah.
3: this year. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And especially this time of year. I, and I think our guys did a great job early in the season because they knew when – you know, we had discussions like, hey, you know, more than likely you're going to be a red shirt. And they knew – more than likely, early on they probably weren't going to play a ton, but but now their antennas are definitely wired again yeah. because hey, this is this is uh, you know the stretch run of the season, and I told them all, hey, be ready. You you know Monday comes around and you, you may not be doing uh, scout team this week. You may be up with us, you know, running with the ones. So you never know. Your state,
0: your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The
1: triangle formation of the near side, JD's foot out left. They look left, back to throw is Adrian. He could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon. He's to the five, he lays out, he's in. That's a two point play for Nebraska. And they tied this game in champagne at 35 apiece.
0: Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Nate War.
1: Thank you, we're back. In some ways, we're just starting. Welcome to Sports Nightly on a Thursday night. Wow, what a couple of hours. First, Bill Moose's monthly radio show, and then our normal Thursday night Oscar football show. Thanks to Barrett Root for being here and Talk a lot of Husker football about that linebacking position over the last hour. So here's what we have for our final hour of the night here on Sports Island. We're going to get into today's practice report. Head coach Scott Frost met with the media earlier today. We'll hear that. We'll have our normal Thursday conversation with Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. And I had a chance to catch up earlier in the week with Tom Allen, the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers. will get his thoughts about his football team as they are getting set to come to Lincoln for the first time since 1977. Lee Corso was the head coach, Nate Rohr, the last time they were here.
4: And not grabbing the Herbie Husker head and putting it on. And if I recall, the Herbie Husker head at that time was
1: pretty frightening. So Wasn't it real tall?
4: Uh, so it was kind of tall, but... Just the face on it was was uh, bad farm chemicals, Herbie. Let's call it that. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's 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 morphed over time. Yeah, yes, it uh, has to different things. Here's an interesting thing. I was looking this up this week uh, before we get to the practice report. Nebraska actually trails the all-time series. It's nine eight, and I think a couple of ties in there. So Nebraska can tie the series up with a win on Saturday.
4: How about that? Nebraska is behind all time against these guys and against Minnesota mm-hmm. and course Indiana and Minnesota were staples of the non-conference schedule the first 60 years or so of the prior century and that was a time where Big Ten football was a step ahead.
1: Yeah before we jump into this no baseball tonight we do have Thursday night football going on how surprised are you the Nationals are up to love in that series? Very
4: surprised with the starting pitching the Astros are running out there and it, it just get you get the sense that this Nationals team is one of those classic wild card teams like the Royals five years ago, that got to the tournament, that won that wild card game, and all of a sudden they believe they can win on the postseason stage, and now they're they're just a machine.
1: Yeah, and doing it without Bryce Harper.
4: How about that? How how much does that have to hurt Bryce? That you know, oh. here he was the face of that franchise. You know, the signpost player of that team and one of the top 10 players in Major League Baseball, he leaves and they're making a run.
1: Crazy, crazy stuff. I just wanted your
5: thoughts before we do it. So let's get into it. The practice report.
0: Every practice.
5: We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it.
0: All season long.
5: There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself and I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's
0: time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Scott Frost met with the media
4: today at the Hawks Championship Center. The Huskers were not in full pads today. Their usual Thursday walk through and the question and answer period uh, started with Scott Frost being asked just simply how practice went.
5: The team looked fresh Uh, we had really good practice we got to go out and execute like that Um, I think the guys are for the most part rested and recovered and we're getting healthier so um, I think the key thing is just going out on Saturday and executing what uh, what we have in and uh, some of the little detail stuff that I think got in, got fixed and improved uh, over the bye week needs to carry over to the game.
4: So hopefully the team a little fresher from, the, uh, from what we saw from that Minnesota game. The Huskers, one of two Big Ten teams along with Michigan State that had to play seven straight weeks. And the way Nebraska came out and played that game at Minnesota, really both sides of the ball, but especially on defense, I think the accusation could be laid that they were a little flat and and a little tired in that Minnesota They they
1: just looked it, right? They looked just a half-step slow. I think the want-to was there, and I think Scott saw that when he went back and looked at the tape. It's like, yeah, we really didn't get pushed around, but we just weren't where we needed to be, maybe on a run fill. Maybe we didn't quite get to the edge on a block uh, to make some things happen. So I I think it was. It was just a flat-footed performance and at the end of a seven game stretch that you hope now the bounce is back by Saturday. Yeah,
4: and you would think that a week off w- would put at least some of that bounce back in. Of course, Nebraska is still battling some important injuries, and we'll hear about that in just a moment. One team that has plenty of bounce right now is Indiana sitting at 5 and 2 on the year and they've got a high flying offense. Scott Frost was asked what the Indiana offense
5: does well. I like what they do. Uh I look at it and it looks a lot like what we do um, watching them I, I could call most of the things I see and our kids go out and run it so it, I give a ton of credit to them I think what they do on offense is smart I think they uh, scheme well um, I think they, you know, they've got a Uh, more dangerous uh, passing game than than we've probably seen in in a while Uh, just because of what they do I think is good Uh, both quarterbacks can run and throw they got a big back that you have to get hats on and um, defense has to be ready to play well
4: in some ways they're similar to Minnesota in that they've got a pretty good running back and Stevie Scott that you've got to deal with and they've got a pretty decent wide receiver core with Watt Fillier and then Nick Westbrook Mm -hmm. leading that wide receiver core and a tight end and peyton hendershot who's been one of the best tight ends in this conference so like minnesota a lot of guys that you have to deal with unlike minnesota a little more spread out a little more familiar offensive package as coach frost said an offensive package similar to what nebraska does
1: tight ends good And Mm -hmm. and they use him a lot. He, He will be targeted a lot in this game. We'll see if Nebraska maybe tries to shade somebody to maybe take that option away from them and let them go other places. They only have one back, though. Stevie Scott's really it, where Minnesota can run a couple Mm -hmm. different guys at you. Stevie Scott is about all that they get much rushing rushing yardage out of. Both quarterbacks, whether we see Penix or Ramsey, they both can scoot around, too. So they're a threat to take off and go.
4: And remember, Penix is a newcomer. Peyton Ramsey had been their starter and had been pretty decent the last couple of years. So even if uh, Peyton Ramsey is the guy that trots out there for Indiana... There's not that big a drop-off between their one and their two. One other thought on Indiana's offense, they're doing all of this without Coy Cronk, who is their all-conference left tackle. So impressive that they've been able to work through the injury of one of their best offensive linemen, and they're still doing a lot of good things on that side of the bowl.
1: He got hurt week four and is out for the season. Um, I think we'll see both quarterbacks. I think Because I went back and watched the play, Penix got hurt. I don't think it's serious, and I, Tom Allen said today that he's practiced this week so I think he plays but my guess is we'll probably see both as the day wears on
4: that would make a lot of sense so we talked about Indiana's offense what about the Hoosiers defense Tom Allen has a defensive background he just gave up calling the defensive plays this year so what have the Hoosiers done on defense here's coach Frost
5: I think several stick out. I mean, they're big and physical on the front line. Um, they got some corners that I think do a good job playing press quarters and and playing man free. A um, couple linebackers that are really active. Um, it, you know, they were just pretty solid and across the board. And um, they they go against an offense very similar to ours. You can tell, so they have uh, some of the issues that we would normally try to exploit uh, accounted for and thought about and. Um, they're going to make us earn it, like several teams in the Big Ten. We have to be able to, to block and get open and throw well.
4: This is not a defense that blows you away, but they're solid on all three levels, and they have some talent. Taiwan Mullen, the cornerback that they just added this year, was a nice addition to that defensive backfield. But you feel like they know what they're doing, they've got a good idea of what they're doing, and, and they've got a good chance to slow you down on offense.
1: Their head coach is a defensive guy, so I mean, you you know they're going to be sound on that side of the ball. Now he's handed off the play calling, the formation calling to some other guys. He's not doing that. You know, when when Bo was here, he he did. Bo would jump in there and call it off a lot of stuff. Tom's kind of handed that off, but you certainly still see his fingerprints all over that defense. Yeah,
4: he may not be the guy choosing one to blitz, one right. to play zone, whatever, but you can bet he's on that headset a whole lot uh-huh. talking to those guys and trying to influence where they go with their decisions. As we continue along on our JTAC practice report, of course Scott Frost is one of those head coaches that still coordinates a side of the ball. He coordinates the offense and a lot of questions about the Husker offense right now with all the injuries, the youth, the inexperience at positions not showing a whole lot of development. Scott Frost was asked if he has altered the identity or the expectations for this Husker offense moving forward.
5: No, we, we're gonna score points. Um, that needs to be expectation and we're not gonna change our identity. Um, the identity that our kids know works when we, when we do things the right way. And um, you know, we just gotta keep working and keep getting better, but uh, the kids know who we are and what we're all about and, and we'll go out and do the best we can.
4: There's a fine line in there, right? Because you've got to tweak what you call exactly what you call exactly how you line up. But the basic ideas of who you are and what you do, you can't just throw them out over the side of the boat a year and a half into your attempt to rebuild a program. So I I think Scott Frost's consistency is valuable
1: here. Uh, Yeah, you can't just try to flip it right now. Mm -hmm. If you... You think long term here. You want what you want in place moving forward. You just can't go, "Oh, it didn't work for the last two or three games. We got to completely remake ourselves." You do that, and then you're in some serious trouble. And there are teams that try to do that, and it usually fails miserably.
4: Yeah, usually a team with two offenses has none. Correct. And and two identities has none. So uh, even though Nebraska will have to tweak and have to try to find some things inside of what they do that works. The basic idea of what they do will not change for the Indiana game or moving forward. This is a pretty young Nebraska team and especially a team trying to develop some leadership and trying to develop guys in that locker room as leaders. Scott Frost was asked if he tweaks his message to those younger players as opposed to a team that's older.
5: There's no change. Again, it doesn't matter if if we're 12 and 0 or 0 and 6, we're not going to change what we do because what we do works. Um, the young guys need to hear the same message as the old guys. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the things we need to make sure we do is recruit a lot of people that love football, love being around each other, uh, want to be great, are self-motivated, self-starters. We got a lot of a lot of young guys that are like that. And then it's just us up to us to make sure they know what the standards are and what the expectations are. Um, And when we have guys for three or four years, those guys understand it, and they can pass it on to younger guys. And um, we got to train the young guys the same way as the old guys so that they're ready to to be culture keepers and and pass the torch to someone else.
4: This time is just so fragile in the building of a program because you don't know what your standard is until you set it. And so nobody in that locker room has lived to Scott Frost's standard, or at least – you know, virtually nobody, and nobody's done it for more than one year. So the idea of what you have to do day in, day out, you know, summer in, summer out, to to prepare yourself to do what's needed, that's not there yet in that locker room. And so uh, that's a tough thing for a coaching staff to build as they settle in a program.
1: Yeah, it's building blocks, and there's no shortcut to doing it the right way.
4: Not at all. As we continue along, Husker's have some questions at quarterback of course adrian (laughs) martinez (laughs) yeah adrian martinez still battling that injury that knocked him out of the fourth quarter of the northwestern game kept him out against minnesota noah vedrell's health is in question he was injured late at minnesota so perhaps could we see some luke mccaffrey scott frost was asked about the freshman's development
5: yeah, if we need Luke, he'll he'll be ready to go. He can run the whole offense. Um, he came in and worked harder to learn our stuff than any quarterback I've been around. Uh, he knows everything that we do. Um, and sometimes he looks like a, a stud out here, and sometimes he looks like a freshman. And um, you know, he'll continue to get more and more uh, consistent as we go along. But uh, from a knowledge standpoint, he's he's up to speed and right there where the top two guys are. He's really promising,
4: and mm-hmm. especially in a limited rule where you have a defined package for him of all the things he does well. Maybe it's a, a tempo changer for a series to run him out there. Nebraska has the luxury of playing him in three more games uh, without losing a full year of eligibility. Wouldn't be too shocking to see seven out there.
1: And I think the fans would really relish the chance to see him run well, yeah. out there and do this, be, you know, with the question marks with Adrian, and, and if Noah slowed a little bit, yeah, that, I absolutely think that we could see Luke McCaffrey on Saturday. The best case scenario is Adrian's ready to go and can operate at, at full efficiency. Then the next, you want Noah to be operating at full efficiency, but uh, when you saw Luke McCaffrey race out there after the helmet popped off Noah Vendrell, you know he's ready to go.
4: And when you look at his background, his father being an NFL player, you listen to what Mario Verduzco and Scott Frost has said about him and his knowledge of this playbook and how quickly he's settled into it. And you also look at the physical tools. This isn't, this isn't a, a gym rat who's working hard but really can't physically do what you ask of him. That's just going to be a matter of time. So there's a chance he can help this team right now, and perhaps we do see him in a limited role on Saturday. Speaking of injury situations, Barrett Pickering was dressed out for practice this week. Scott Frost was asked about the kicking situation.
5: Finding creative ways to ask me about injuries. But, um, no, we'll see who we have at kicker. That you know, that's been a roll of the dice every week. So, Barrett, the, the 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 question
4: that was asked verbatim was, uh, "How?" And I'm paraphrasing here, I guess. So not quite verbatim, but it was have you seen Barrett Pickering kick field goals of a certain length, or is there a length of field goal that you would feel good about sending Barrett Pickering out? Uh, Because, as Scott Frost alluded to there, he's, he's uh, he's pretty secretive about injuries, but it would help in a big way to get Barrett Pickering back, because you feel like just putting points on the board, being able to convert a 43, 44-yard field goal, would it be at least be a little boost? And as tight as we expect this game to be, could be
1: the difference. Sure could. He's got to be close. If he's suiting up for practice, he's got to be close. The other thing the factor in this thing, with five games to go, are you considering redshirt now for him? So... <laughs> One, If he doesn't kick Saturday, you could, he could kick the rest of the regular season and still be a sophomore next year. So they may be, they may be mulling over all those things.
4: And, and there's always the option that you play him the, the next two games. Maybe you sit him against a Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, Scott Frost talked about the Minnesota game being a one-game season, right? And, of course, that talk kind of backfired. But really for Nebraska, it's a two-game season in a lot of ways because – You want to carry bull eligibility into that second buy. I don't think you want the specter of another empty December hanging over you as you get ready for Wisconsin and you have a whole nother week. So these next two games would be two games where you'd be really tempted to pull out whatever stops may exist. One big question about this Husker offense, the depth at running back. Maurice Washington not with the team the last two weeks. Scott Frost was asked about the depth at the running back spot.
5: You know, we're certainly not where we want to be in that group right now from a a depth standpoint. That group's getting pretty thin, but I think the guys that uh, are going to get a chance to play are really excited about it and um, I'm not sure who it's going to be and and when in the game it's going to be yet, but um, I know guys try to take advantage of their opportunities.
4: That's going to be one of the big storylines on offense, not that Nebraska was getting a whole lot from that position when Maurice Washington was out there, but he at least had shown that he could be an explosive running back for you. We've not yet seen that from Dedrick Mills, and then you go down the rest of the depth chart, as Scott will do here in just a moment, there's not a whole lot there of anything, good, bad, indifferent. So really a mystery as to what those guys would be able to do. And Scott Frost was asked about some of the running backs that could step up in Maurice Washington's place.
5: Yeah, Brody's been doing good things. Obviously, Wyatt missouri has been doing good things here for a long time. Um, I mean, There's several other guys that I think we're going to be able to use. So it, it'll be by committee with, uh, with Mills being the lead guy. But a, a lot of guys are excited about playing. That's
4: the drama for me. I think we're all operating under the assumption the first running back out there is going to be Dedrick Mills. So, does he play 90% of the snaps? Do they sub in a Wyatt Mazur or a Ramir Johnson every second series, every third series? How how do they go after Dedrick Mills? That'll be the thing I'll be watching Saturday.
1: Well, I want to see if Wandale plays. Oh, yes. I mean, if Wandale's good, then I, a lot of this is kind of mute, but I don't, I don't know that he's going to play. I mean – I, I, There's another unanswered question for Saturday.
4: No doubt about it. Even if he does play, how much do you really want to play him at running back right. where where he's getting banged up? If you have, say, 10 snaps that you feel like you could play him, wouldn't you put him at a, yeah. at a wing, seven or eight? Probably, you know? yeah. But if he's healthy, if he can go, I, that would be a huge boost as well for this team. Maurice Washington, as we said, hasn't been with this team for the last couple of weeks, Scott Frost was asked if there would be any possibility Washington could rejoin the team.
5: You know, I don't want to talk a lot about that. Maurice and I are going to have another conversation. Uh, I think if he does want to come back, there's going to be a lot of things he needs to do to to earn his team's trust back and our trust back, and um, we'll see where it goes from there. Don't you feel like that's a long road to hold?
4: Yeah, I wouldn't put very good odds on no. Maurice Washington. Uh, rejoining Nebraska football
1: probably ever
4: again. Yeah. So uh, that that's disappointing. He's a guy that had the physical tools, I think, to fit pretty well in this program, but clearly the mental side of it escaped him.
1: Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Great stuff from the coach today, really. Yeah,
4: interesting. It. it you know, coach it tries to hide his mood, but you can tell how he's feeling pretty, pretty readily. He seemed as if he was in a good mood. I mean, even when he was batting down the quasi-injury questions, he did it with a chuckle. So felt
1: like the coach was in a pretty good place. That's good stuff. Thank you. Appreciate doing that. You bet. Thursday night, it's time for us to head to Chicago talk with Teddy.
0: He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune.
1: Well, you're out on the Jets, I guess. At least that's what your <laughs> Twitter account said Monday night. Oh,
6: Greg, it's uh, it's a really sad existence. You know, as you know, I took Al, my 11-year-old, to the Cowboys-Jets game. So um, they're 1-0 when I'm in attendance. And I actually thought that it was going to spill over a little bit and that they were going to give the Patriots a tough game. And uh, as we know, Sam Darnold was seeing ghosts. <laughs> you got to love it. It's the one game where, you know, the Jets allowed to be miked up their quarterback and it ends up completely backfiring in their face. And now nobody's ever going to forget that Sam Darnold was admitting. I mean, it was he was bad enough against actual blitzes, Looked like he'd never seen a blitz before, uh, let alone uh, when he thinks guys were about to tackle him who are not even there. So that was uh, a classically sad night of uh, being a Jets fan there on Monday.
1: I'm, I'm assuming you're not out on Ohio State after seeing them last week.
6: <laughs> wow. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald told me that's the best team he's seen in 14 years, mm-hmm. you know, since he's, since he's been uh, at Northwestern. it That team is so complete. It's just ridiculous. I mean, you're talking about J.K. Dobbins, uh, a really good offensive line. You're talking about, you know, a quarterback in Justin Fields who, even when it looks like he's about to get sacked, basically never gets sacked, who, who you know who runs it uh, like J T Barrett and, and and throws it uh, as well as Dwayne Haskins and um, an amazing defense you know that this time last year was giving up fifty points a game to a team like uh, Maryland and this year is simply unstoppable and that's without Baron Browning who they feel like is their their best linebacker and maybe their second probably third best overall player on the defense with uh, with Jeff Okuda and Chase Young it, it's like an all star team and um, you know, in breaking down the Wisconsin Ohio State game this week, you know, I want to believe that Wisconsin can keep it close. I'll be going to the shoe. I'd love a good game. But when it comes right down to it, I mean, the talent disparity is so great. I think the stat is that Ohio State has 60 four or five star recruits on its roster, and Wisconsin has nine. So um, 60 to nine, I think that says a lot right there. And I, I think it's going to be more like a, you know, 17 point win or, or, or maybe over over that for Ohio State.
1: Well, and that game certainly lost a lot of luster because the Badgers stumbled in Champagne. Huge win for Lovey in Illinois. I don't think anybody saw that thing coming.
6: Zero people. I mean, I was looking at the predictions in uh, the Champagne Room, which is the Illinois blog, and, you know, one guy's got 54 to nothing. Uh, you know, I think the most hopeful prediction was by 14 or 21 points. No one saw it coming. Yeah. Um, you know, I was slightly tempted to take the 30 and a half points in my picks. And then I looked at rushing defenses in the Big Ten and saw that Illinois didn't really have a good one. So I said, okay, this is obviously just going to be a complete beatdown. And it was a weird game. I mean, Wisconsin seemed to be in control really until about 10, you know, maybe eight to 10 minutes left. I mean, it wasn't pretty, but they were solidly ahead by two scores. And then Illinois stops them on, you know, first and goal, second and goal, third and goal, settles for a field goal. And all of a sudden, Illinois is back alive, and, um, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see what Illinois does now in terms of Levy Smith. I mean, I, I've been told before this season if he didn't make a bowl game, he's toast. But if they end up 5-7 and seven with a win over Wisconsin, what do they do? I mean, he's shown no progress other than that one game, but maybe that's enough uh, at a school that, you know, does not want to pay another buyout. They've got a lot of people on the payroll who are not working
0: for him.
1: Yeah, my guy kind of says he gets another year, and that, that one might have sealed it for him. Another thing I don't think anybody saw coming was a letter penned by Jim Harbaugh this week to all the parents uh, after another loss to a top-10 team from Michigan. Seriously. What, what's your take on Harbaugh's letter?
6: Well, Greg, first of all, like that game at Penn State, I, I don't know if you were able to watch it. Wait, was, there's Nebraska playing a night game. I'm trying to remember. You we were off. Uh You were off. Okay. So so you were in in the clear. That was an amazingly compelling football game that was a joy to watch on TV, you know, in in part because of the whiteout. And, um, you know, Penn State goes up 21 0. And Michigan, you know, I love ragging on Michigan, believe me, but that team played really well in the second half and, and probably deserved to send the game to overtime, except for a drop by Ronnie Bell. So Michigan suddenly looked like a halfway decent team. You know, and then Harbaugh comes out this week. First of all, I, I don't even know, you know, I had to look it up, like, footballscoop.com. I mean, this is not exactly, you know, the New York Times or ESPN reporting some Harbaugh rumors. And, like, what NFL team are they even talking about? So for Jim to come out and say, oh, this is total crap, how dare they, you know, speculate about me in the NFL – I mean, like, I think there's speculation about every single halfway decent coach. I thought that was really weird of him to act like he's, you know, being demonized or victim victim. Really, the word is victimized. I feel like Michigan fans are always doing that. Either the refs are screwing them or the media is unfair and and Harbaugh feeds into that saying, you know, their enemies are negatively recruiting. I'm pretty sure that when you get to that level. Everybody is negatively recruiting against anybody. And if they want to negatively recruit against Michigan, just point to the record against Ohio State and the fact that Jim hasn't even been to the Big Ten title game. I think that's probably enough negative recruiting when you're dealing with, you know, that caliber of kid who's deciding between Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame, places like that.
1: And and yet they've got their favorite to win on Saturday night. Do you like them over the Irish? I, I do not. And, and I – they were favored,
6: I think, by two and a half to start. It swung a little bit back. Notre Dame might be minus one now. It's about to pick them, whatever. I mean, here's the thing with Michigan—they that is a very good home team. They have not lost at home last season or this season. I think the number was 11 and 0 that I put in. And Michigan really did look good in the second half against Penn State. But I'm picking Notre Dame in part because I'm going to root for. I'm going to watch the game and just want to want to root for Notre Dame as I'm watching. I also feel like Notre Dame is a a much more solid bottom to top team. Like Notre Dame hasn't had a bad game this year. Uh, It's got a good defense, good special teams, good quarterback, good offensive line. You know, it's probably not an elite team. I mean, if uh, you know what we saw last year against Notre Dame Clemson, I mean, if Notre Dame played at LSU, maybe they'd lose by a bunch, but, they are probably the best of the, the second group teams. You know, they can really hold their own with just about everybody. Played well against Georgia. And, um, yeah, the big house, it's not easy to win there, but I did pick uh, Notre Dame in that game. All
1: right. Northwestern, Iowa. Cats have a shot to get her on the board?
6: I've really just given up on these guys, man. <laughs> it's, it's so pathetic. I mean, Northwestern has scored eight touchdowns this season. Rutgers has more touchdowns. You know, Oklahoma has, I think, 47 touchdowns, eight touchdowns, two touchdown passes. It's just so not even close to acceptable that, you know, at this point, I'm almost where, you know, where other guys are who are Northwestern people who say I want them to go three and nine to guarantee that the offensive coordinator won't be back um, because it's just ridiculous i mean the offensive revolution is you know just bypassed evanston and you know you have to score 30 points a game now to have a good season and they're at 12.5 so um i will be blowing off my uh, 25th reunion uh in favor of going to the horseshoe in favor of going to a much better game northwestern has been bad and also uh, borderline unwatchable this year
1: i think you've made a, an accurate call there travel safe to the <laughs> shoe to the shoe we'll talk next week
6: thank you craig be well buddy
1: there he is, Teddy Greenstein, joining us on our Sports Nightly Hotline. Well, we're delighted now to be joined by Indiana head coach Tom Allen. And, Coach, congratulations on the 5-2 and two start to the season. How have you evaluated your team's play to this point?
7: Well, proud of our kids. You know, we uh, took care of business in our non-conference schedule and and uh, tried to continue to improve each week. And uh, got a big road win at Maryland. Um, came down to final possession just trying to – you know, with our program with where we are, we're just trying to find a way to, to, to learn how to win games. You know, we've been in a lot of close contests over the last several years and haven't uh, haven't always finished them out. So just uh, encouraged by that progress. Uh, still a young football team that's uh, uh, growing together, working really hard every day, and our players are really bought into the vision for what we have for our program. So we're, we're excited for where we are and the future ahead of us.
1: You certainly did make winning plays late in that game, and I know that is kind of a mindset to be able to do that, not only in Bloomington, but to be able to do it on the road. And you, you have to like the progress you've seen in that.
7: Absolutely. You know, like you said, it, it's uh, it's. You know, it has to be done at home if you want to win there, but it's even more important on the road. Those fourth quarter um, opportunities that you get, you know, those game-changing plays, as we always talk about, just those contested plays that you have to win, those one-on-one matchups uh, that creating a takeaway late in the game, you know, making some kind of play, winning the one-on-one up front, winning the one-on-one on the perimeter, whatever it may be. And uh, those decide uh, those types of games. And in our conference, those uh, those happen frequently, and, and it's tough on the road, and and so very encouraged by the progress. We just got to, you know, as you know, you do it one weekend, you got to go do it again.
1: Yeah. Uh, you, you made it, you have a different offensive coordinator this year in Kalen DeBoer. Give me, tell me a little bit about what he's brought to the table and man, it certainly looks like you're so much fun to watch offensively right now.
7: Well, I tell you, he's done a tremendous job and uh, really loved the system. As I went through and evaluated him and other guys that I looked at, and there was just a lot of reasons that I felt like he was a great fit for us and, and a lot of those had nothing to do with football, but but from a schematic perspective, I really felt like that uh, it matched our personnel that we currently have, and and the kind of uh, style that I want us to be able to be, and and so just brought him in, allowed him to implement his entire system from top to bottom, all the terminology, and and uh, allowed him to do that, and, and and really been pleased with the way our guys have picked it up and executed. He does a good job of of distributing the football a lot of different places a lot of guys touch the ball in our system and and try to just take what the defense has given us and and be able to play in a way that allows us to to stay on the field and which protects our defense and also helps us win games so at the end of the day that's what he's trying to do is score as many points as we can but at the same time do it in a way that allows us to to stay on the field longer and play winning football
1: Coach, yeah, I've been really impressed with the depth you have at quarterback, and I know you would love to just go with one guy. and And but Michael's had a few nicks and he, bruises here and there, but Ramsey's played really well for you. And I think you even have a, th- a third guy in your system you like a lot too. What a luxury that must be to have that much depth at quarterback.
7: It, it is. It's very positive for us, and it's it's hard to get this you know era of football with uh, at that position where a lot of guys, if they don't get named the starter, they end up going somewhere else, and and so just a tribute to. The culture we're creating here and uh, Peyton Ramsey's just a great young man and uh, just such a great unselfish player that when he was beat out he uh, stayed true to our team and and kept working hard and has been ready when called upon and then Jack Tuttle's a third guy that that we believe in as well so uh, you know I've never been here yet where we had a quarterback play every snap of every season so you're going to have to have at least two and, and three is definitely luxury.
1: Yeah, certainly Nebraska's dealing with that as well. Let's talk defense. I know you love that side of the ball as well. Two shutouts so far. How about the way that group's played for you?
7: Well, we've grown, you know, and uh, we haven't been as consistent as I'd like for us to be. But I really feel like that uh, we're extremely young um, on defense and mostly freshmen and sophomores that make up that unit as you look at our depth chart. And and, I really uh, feel like that we've improved in some areas, tried to make some adjustments along the way. Um, felt like that uh, we didn't uh, do some things that, that I know we need to do well early on, and, and I think we've grown, and they were a big part of our win on Saturday against Maryland and coming up with two huge takeaways and the final one to steal the win. So I just feel like that it's a matter of us just doing a great job of just being so fundamentally sound, continuing to play a fanatical effort, and, and just being great tacklers, and that's what you have to do to win in the Big Ten. Coach, since we were
1: in Bloomington a couple of years ago, you have opened up a new football complex. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that commitment from the university means to, to you and the program?
7: It's, it's been huge. You know, there's no question that facilities play a role in recruiting. And, and as you mentioned, they send a message towards commitment of the university towards football and the importance of football to, to uh to Indiana, and so I just feel like that it's a um, it's a beautiful facility. First of all, we're very blessed to have it, and our players are very appreciative for those that made it possible. And and uh, this is going to be our first cycle of having recruits in it now that they've seen it you know, during some game day visits, but most of them haven't seen it yet. So I just think that it's just a huge it's next step for us, and it's obviously going on all across the country where people are building, you know, newer and better facilities. But uh, we were definitely behind, and it's it's, it's going to help us for sure. We've got to continue to build those relationships, but I, I think that it sends a strong message about Indiana football.
1: Coach, we really have to introduce your, your, your group to our fans. You haven't been here. First time Indiana's come to Lincoln since 1977 and first time since Nebraska's been a member of the Big Ten. Have you been to a game at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln?
7: I have not. I've never stepped foot uh, on Nebraska's campus, so it's going to be a first for me too. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Coach, we
1: appreciate it. Thanks so much. Congratulations on the start to the season and uh, best of luck as this season uh, continues on.
7: Thank you so much. I sure appreciate it. LEO.
1: That's Indiana head coach Tom Allen with us here on Sports Island. That'll put a wrap on this show. My thanks to Nate, to Josh, to Tim, and for everybody for being a part of this one. More Sports Island coming your way tomorrow night. Good night.